No matter who you are, where you are, or what you celebrate, it's only one thing I have to say this holiday season. Hen... Shin... Happy Haunted Days. It's Common Ride with me for our new December themed holiday series, Common Ride My Slate Tonight. And with me are Courtney and Kurt from the, uh, t- they call you Kurt. <laughs> no, yeah, no worries. It's Carl. <laughs> Carl. That's where I'm at right now. Uh, but with me are Courtney and Carl from the Strictly series podcast, Strictly Anime and Strictly JoJo. Hey guys, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, it's been a slightly rocky start to peel behind like the curtains. Um, I blew up some glass accidentally right when we were supposed to record. So sorry about that, Carl. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so can you tell me about like yourselves and your shows? And right now you're doing multiple podcasts and you might be doing more soon as well. So it's just a whole lot. Yeah, it's definitely an undertaking. Um, but I'm Courtney. And I'm Carl. Um, and yeah, we're the host of two different podcasts, Strictly Anime and Strictly JoJo. So Strictly Anime is a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. And we call it Strictly Anime because we don't read manga. We don't read light novels. We just strictly watch anime. Um, the other one is Strictly JoJo, which is our nude podcast that uh, just started. Your nude podcast. Oh, our new. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's one of those one of those nights. Um, but yeah, so Strictly Jojo is our new podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where we review every single Jojo episode. Um, recently premiered at the end of November, so we're at the start of part one, Phantom Blood. Um, and we like to always say that our podcasts are by casuals for casuals because we're not professional reviewers or ind- industry experts or elitists or anything. We're just casual weebs talking casually about anime. I'm really intrigued. Um by your nude bi casual like show. Um uh, <laughs> have to know more soon. But yeah, uh no, um that's really interesting because um like for me the most important thing about doing like a show is like not um meeting your audience where they aren't and like meeting them where they are and saying, hey, like for this show, for example, it's all about having people with different amounts of experience with a whole like genre they might not know versus like w- with your show, it's just like for me, there's lots of stuff where I'm like, where to even start? And like, I'd like to like go on that journey with people. Yeah. And one of the things that we're really excited about with Strictly Jojo in particular is to your point that that journey, like we're, we're starting from the very, very beginning of the show. We're going to dedicate an episode to every single Jojo episode and really talk in depth about it. But we're being careful to not talk about anything that happens beyond the particular episode um, that we're on. That way, if someone wants to watch alongside us or they don't want any spoilers, um, we can include more people in in kind of that that discussion. Yeah, fun fact. I think Courtney's watched JoJo like twice now. <laughs> yeah, this will be my third time. Yeah. I actually watched it twice in one month. And I've only watched. Yeah, I've only watched it once. But yeah, it makes it interesting because we get to see these episodes in hindsight, kind of understanding them um, in a bigger context. But again trying to distance ourselves from revealing any spoilers um, later down the road. 
Um, but yeah, so it's definitely going to be a fun journey um, through that podcast. Yeah, like that must be hard because I know that if you think about shows that definitely ramp up in their intensity of like just like their shit and their weirdness, like JoJo's the example. It's like the er one. <laughs> it's the main one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> no, um, one question that like I always like um ask when happy Milan, um what is their familiarity with toku because a lot of people don't have that much of it so i am probably like most people mostly familiar with power rangers um and that's pretty much it i i had watched a little bit of beetleborgs when i was a kid but not enough to really remember anything about it i just like recall the the theme song um but that that's pretty much the majority of my familiarity yeah, it's pretty much the same thing for me. Um, the only tokusatsu that I really knew of uh, was Power Rangers. Um, I was kind of too young to re- remember the details of the show because I think it was three or four when Mighty Morphin came out. I do remember I had a red Power Ranger plush doll that I would take with me to bed. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my mom still has it at, at her house. But yeah, that was the extent of it. And then I did have like a random VR Troopers novel in like my collection of books. I don't remember the exact title and I didn't really read it or even know how it came into my possession. Um, but I guess that, that was one other foray into tokusatsu that I had in my upbringing. Was it like one of those 90s books that was like, um, it had like a picture from the episode, then it had 30 pages, and then it had like some other pictures from the episode, then it had like 30 more pages? No, it was like a, like a small, like light novel, I guess, where it had, you know, like on those romance novels, it has those artistic paintings on the cover. But like this one had almost looked like a, the, like the original Star Wars movie posters. Um, with like the big face of Darth Vader and then um, the main characters in the foreground. So this is suddenly the most interesting thing in the world for me that <laughs> this is, that this exists. Um, just really quick um, in our chat right there. Is this your card? Kind of. Um, let me, I don't, again, I don't remember the title, but if I do stumble upon it, I'd be glad to send it your way. <laughs> we'll get into it in the second half but i'm always so surprised this show got um two seasons i'm always like that's not real that didn't happen uh oh you know what i think i did find it it's um the book was called virtual reality magician i'm looking at it right now on um google images i'm someone who read like garfield pet force if you like ever read those like garfield sci-fi novels Mm -hmm. as a kid so like this definitely makes me think of the same thing like that level of like weird okay now i'm seeing this yeah it has this some... is that's spooky <laughs> <laughs> but I, I clearly rem- i remember seeing this cover um okay. just show up in my random book collection so there's the three vr troopers in the background there's a surgeon's hands and then in the midground between the troopers and the surgeon is a dog in a VR headset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I told you like about like my glass situation, like you said like, oh, like what does that mean? Like maybe thinking it was like something else, like drug related or something. <laughs> and that is that's drugs to me, is a dog <laughs> in a VR headset between 
little bit of the context is um a lot of American Toku in the 90s was like very much just taking like a like show and doing as much as they could with it for like as cheap as they could uh to mixed results definitely there's a lot more breadth and depth to it like when you look at other stuff or modern stuff or like there's weird like perverted school stories or like horror movies or like big like politically charged like monster movies so it's like interesting to see like the breadth but also yeah um <laughs> just looking at like things like vr troopers and like beetleborg it's like it's weird like i've not seen those shows for years personally this was fun it was it was very i don't know super nostalgic watching these um vr troopers was was new to me um but the the theme song was amazing so i think that's gonna be stuck in my head forever and then beetleborgs like i said like i i hadn't watched a lot of it but all these memories just came like rushing back into my head as soon as i i started watching it i was very intrigued by how well they would do the holidays but uh before that like i actually want to know um how do you kind of like think of or like are there holidays that like in the holiday season that's like vaguely now from like november to like mid-february like that like whole range like are there lots of holidays that like you celebrate like yeah so um i am of filipino heritage and so technically our christmas season starts in september (laughs) and it goes for all the burr months and then ends in january um but yeah especially in the philippines you'll hear christmas songs like right after august ends um so it's very interesting and like i don't even know how that even became to be a tradition but yeah like my family like since we 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 live here in the states like we just started celebrating like we celebrate christmas like starting after thanksgiving um but uh instead of opening presents on christmas day we would do it on Christmas Eve, as we call it uh, Noche Buena, which I guess is more of like a, a Spanish tradition that like the Filipinos um, eventually took once they uh, colonized the country. But yeah, I would say like for me, Christmas is one of my, if not the most favorite holiday out of the year. I'm kind of different than that. So Halloween is is like my Christmas for the year. I, I absolutely love Halloween. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. So I kind of coast the rest of the year. I'll I'll celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, I'm pretty adamant about not starting Christmas celebrations until the day after Thanksgiving. Although, of course, I'm not going to rain on anyone's parade. I'm I'm happy to listen to Christmas music ahead of time. But I like to have a, a dedicated, you know, focus on Thanksgiving and then start decorating and celebrating Christmas, um, you know, starting Black Friday. But yeah, I would say for me, the, the excitement's still there, but it's it's not quite as exciting as dressing up and getting candy on Halloween. <laughs> No, yeah. Um, for me, like I'm not a religious person, but like I like to do like the non-Christian Christmas, and like I like doing like some vague stuff. But um, part of the reason that like I'm doing like a holiday theme month is because I just have never been a holiday person, so I feel like I'm hit less hard by just the general shitty state of the world right now. So that like my like levels less affected, so I can maybe try and up other people's levels that like do care about like missing summer or missing Halloween or missing like the holiday season, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I feel like the holiday season in general is, is about 
being together and and just spreading happiness and joy, you know, throughout the community. So I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, especially poignant poignant now. Yeah, <laughs> with the current. Yeah, we state should of our be world. spreading everything. Yeah. <laughs> I really badly though, more than anything, want to talk about these very strange episodes that we found ourselves looking at. Right, and we are back. So this week we looked at um, VR Troopers Season 2, Episode 27, Santa's Secret Trooper, and Beetleborgs Season 1, Episode 33, Christmas Bells and Phasm's Spells. So first off, I want to look at and talk about Beetleborgs. Um, this is probably the show that people were more familiar with. It seems like it was more popular. Uh, and yeah, what an episode. What do you all think about it? It was, um, how do I put this? It was not what I expected. Uh, it, it gave me Nightmare Before Christmas vibes because of the characters and the situation that they're in. Um, you know, you've got a Dracula type character and a Frankenstein type character and a werewolf and all that. And you've got Jay Leno Joker wearing Prince's outfits. And it's just it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely got like Tim Burton Nightmare Before Christmas vibes from this episode. Yeah, for me, like first off, like just having that rush of nostalgia seeing the 90s vibe of the show it was great um and again tip for it to be like a christmas themed episode was just icing on the cake um but for me like the vibes i was getting was um especially with flabber or like uh, courtney said the joker jay leno um this episode kind of reminded me of the spongebob christmas special i think it was called christmas who where mm-hmm. Um, he kind of dis- like he learns about what Christmas is, and that's what happens here with Flabber. Um, just some of the things like he was mispronouncing Christmas like so much as chrysanthemum, and then I think at the end he says like Merry Crisscross. Um, but yeah, I I I enjoyed the episode from beginning to end. Um, yeah, very very campy, which was understandable for for the time period it came out of. But yeah, it was definitely a fun thing to watch. So um, you can see my notes and you see that I wrote a lot for VR Troopers, but all I wrote for Beetleborgs was this is super mundane. Um, <laughs> this felt like such a like this just compared to what's next. This felt like such a easily understandable and like boilerplate Christmas episode to me. Yeah, I, I could see that. One of the things that I wrote in my notes um, was no real action or combat or effects, which um, you know, just doing some some basic research research about Toku, it's like that's that's the the key element. It seems like, um, and this had very little to to none in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like um, for me, looking at these shows, um, it's interesting because like Power Rangers is about five teens who get dinosaur powers. It's based off a show about like five teens from the dinosaur times that like come back to life basically to fight like an evil witch. That makes sense to me. Like, um, for Beetleborgs, um, it's like this weird, like, adult action series with a like a bunch of like Earth defenders who like get tasked by like a beetle shaman to defend Earth from anti-beetle aliens. Versus like this show that's like they pretty clearly like in, in the opening are just like three kids 
like meet like a genie and like make the comics come to life, which is so bizarre, but like also just makes a lot of sense as far as like a very easy opening. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that I didn't I went into this not knowing a thing about uh, Beetleborgs, but I just thought it was funny that it, it's these three kids who um, end up getting these powers because they want to be like the heroes from these comics. Yeah, I think that's that's very unique because I don't know. You see it a lot in anime, I guess, but having three kids, you know, kind of risk their them themselves and and their well being to to protect the community or whatever. It's 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 different. And I think what kind of caught me off guard was when they transform. They look like full size adults, but they still have their mm-hmm. child voices or their kid voices. So I was like, oh, that's that's different. <laughs> Today, it almost feels like they'd have to do like the postmodern like. Because what they did was they wished to be superheroes and it made all the supervillains come to life. They never reckon with that in the show versus nowadays you think you would have to, right? Yeah, because that's kind of like a, I don't know if like moral dilemma is is the right phrase for that. But there, that's definitely like a, a conflicting point as, as like a, an audience member. It's like, yeah, that's really cool that you have these powers, but now you're also putting putting people at risk and, and these people are wreaking havoc all over all over your town. Something I like doing is... um the opening for the Japanese show that's based off of, which is called Heavy Shell Bee Fighter or Beat Fighter. I'm sorry, this voice gets me every time. (laughs) (laughs) So far, this theme slaps. So we just watched the opening to Bee Fighter, and uh, it's a little different than Beetleborgs. Like, way different. It's completely (laughs) different. Oh my gosh, I was not expecting that. (laughs) Um, And that has like a great, like, just like, very kick-ass like save the world like pose on top of like helicopter pads like very typical like hard opening of compared to it too it was awesome i wish you could see us um when we started watching it we were both we just immediately started vibing we were we were dancing in our seats that's an awesome opening yeah like i want to do more with um that whole franchise because like um so that's called metal hero so like for Common Rider, like uh, which is the main show we look at, like most often, um, that was much more about like martial arts and like doing like interesting stunts, and like and like Sentai, which is where Power Rangers like comes from, is like team based. It's having like a lot of like cool weapons. Um, metal Hero was like, let's just make these big hulking metal suits and like give them guns, <laughs> <laughs> and like this whole series that's just like. What if a bunch of people had like special like corvettes that they could drive through walls that like put armor on them when they needed to like fight fires and demons and shit? <laughs> <laughs> and it's we haven't really looked at it, but um like the first one of like the Metal Heroes is like like was what inspired like Robocop and then later on they like go back and just like do Robocop so it's like mm. like weird like cyclical too. And I think like George Lucas said like he was partially inspired by like this franchise when he made Star Wars as well. So it's like this weird like I can see blank spot too. (laughs) (laughs) It's gone now. But um like for example, like the show before B Fighter was just called Blue SWAT and was like, what if a SWAT team had like some armor and some like lasers, but mostly just like shotguns? (laughs) (laughs) I just love how like we have that that beetle or B Fighter. And then we take that and put that into a, a kid show, or not a kid show, but like knowing that context and watching Beetleborgs, knowing it, it's supposed to be three kids in those suits. 
<laughs> I know I was going to say something similar. Like I, I'm surprised um, that they were able to fit that, like the those characters and, and those action scenes into Beetleborgs in a way that no one kind of raised their eyebrows. Like, where did this originally come from? Yeah, it's weird too. Like sometimes with like Power Rangers, like you'll get stuff where like, oh, this character died and they just like made new scenes so they wouldn't have to die. Or like this character was always evil and they made scenes so this character seemed like they joined the team. And like that kind of stuff, which is interesting. Yeah. I think that the actual like when you get past that they go to a haunted house, these like three kids and meet like a genie who was supposedly supposed to be like an Elvis impersonator, but is super like a Jay Leno kind of like vibe. You're right. Um, And then they get armor powers. Like once you get past that, what actually happens here is that like they just save Christmas. It's like a super simple story, honestly. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was what was interesting, too, um, is that I felt like a lot of the episode was focused on some of the other characters and some of the other things going on, like the kids um, who are at that bookstore um, or the the rich kids, I think, that were kind of grappling with the fact that they didn't have gifts, but that's OK. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was just I think for for me going into it, I was expecting a lot more, of course, action, but a lot more focus on the, the Beetleborgs themselves. But it was really just them in their their true kid form and, and kind of what what was happening around them with preparing for Christmas. And it's interesting too, because um this is probably one of the few times they had all original footage too for their fights. Because mm-hmm. they were like fighting with like candy canes and like tinsel versus their like weird, sultry, like very Russian like enemy lady and like her two like <laughs> friends. And I was like, she's definitely more of like a Rocky and Bullwinkle like reference that I remember her being as a kid. Oh yeah, that's know. a good point. And one of the things that that I that left me wanting more was about the main villain himself because they they showed us a decent amount of of the three um, bad guys. But I not having watched enough of the rest of the show, I'm I'm like, who is this this evil guy? Like, why is he why is, why is his crew wreaking havoc on Christmas? What's his end game? So I'm I'm curious to know more about him. Well, honestly. Um... Their enemies have the coolest fucking names that I'm like <laughs> that I'm wish like somebody else used, but also I know they'd like get too horny for it. <laughs> um, their enemies, like the evil comic monsters, are called the Magnivores. The Magnivores. Mm. Right? That's a cool name for this show. <laughs> but also a little too horny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and they save Christmas, which is like the ultimate end. Yeah. Wh- or what I was going to say is like, um, as Courtney mentioned, there was no real conflict. And I, get, I don't know, like the lesson of the episode was like, we all need to learn to have joy in our hearts, even when it's not Christmas. Um, but I, one thing that I noted um, in this episode that didn't sit right with me is there's the sequence where the Beetleborgs are like fending off. Um, the three villains and you know because it's christmas like once they apprehend them they gift the villains with the stolen presents yeah, i noticed that too <laughs> it's like yeah that just creates like a moral dilemma like is it within the beetleborg's right to give away those presents like I, I get there's there's the the notion to spread christmas joy but like they just stole those presents from the family like a couple <laughs> minutes ago and then to add insult to injury, the I think the the female Beetleborg 
decides to trust the villains when they say, oh, we've changed our tune and then they immediately escape. And she's like, oh, darn, I probably shouldn't have done that because now they have stolen gifts and they've gotten away. And I think Vexor, the boss, I'm pretty sure his name is Vexor, just reminds them like, oh, you're not supposed to be joyful. You're just supposed to be evil. And (laughs) that's that. Like, that's the conflict ended. And then you're geared up for the next um, scheme of the next episode. Like, honestly, if I could remake any of the 90s shows, it would probably be Beetleborgs because, like, I remember all this cool imagery, like that, like, weird fever dream, like, um, music video they did for their, like, for their opening song. There's, like, a whole thing where they, um, multiple times, like, I remember there was, like, the scene where they had, like, a wheelbarrow full of comics that the villain stole to, like, to, like, take, like, all the monsters out. And that's, like, a really cool, like, image. Like, like lots of cool stuff they could do if, like, that if they're like here's like our like disney plus beetleborgs like um like show or something i don't know but (laughs) a lot of cool imagery i did really enjoy the the sequence when they when they transformed into the beetleborgs because i was not expecting it to be like them coming out of a comic book i thought that was really well done and that was really cool little less well done a little less well known a little less sensical i think um is vr troopers uh, so really quickly, uh, what did you all know about this show or just your first impression of the show? So I knew nothing, but Carl had reminded me that there was a JonTron episode where he talked about VR Troopers. So like that kind of rang a bell, but I needed to rewatch it after seeing this episode. But my my initial initial thought was, oh, my God, the 90s nostalgia. Like that's just what hit me in a huge wave as soon as this the show came on. Yeah, again, besides the the book, um, the virtual reality <laughs> magician book, um, the only other instance was yeah, seeing a YouTube video of, um, where he w- was kind of analyzing, I guess, the first two parts of the pilot. Um, but yeah, th- I would say like of the two that we watched, the VR Troopers Christmas episode was a lot more I guess exhilarating. <laughs> yeah, I have to agree. <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, I think that despite the fact that Beetleborgs had like a child cast, it made so much more sense and was so much more coherently acted than VR Troopers too. Yeah, which is it's mm-hmm. so odd. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. I, I definitely was uh, scratching my head at certain points, trying to like make logical sense of of what I was watching. I'm like, how did we get from point A to point Z? <laughs> I couldn't help but notice that both of these shows were like set in California and like there was no snow and like like that was the whole point of it, which like I guess it's like the whole like way the economy was going and like all the people like moving to California. That was just like the style, but it just felt like so strange. They were both in these weird like cities that were also suburbs and this like weird like liminal space that like I guess like kids and teens minds were at the time of like I'm in a city, but I'm in a suburb, but I'm moving. But the <laughs> there's no snow it's like a weird thing to look at <laughs> yeah something worth noting about like vr troopers is um one uh the main guy ryan he was originally supposed to be the white ranger in power rangers instead of tommy coming back oh and tommy was originally supposed to be playing him and instead they brought tommy back and cast him as a main character here which like good for him that he kept a like leading role i guess but yeah um and <laughs> So this show actually um, takes parts from four different um, shows in the Metal Hero franchise. 
so it's the same franchise as Beetleborgs, but it's using a lot of so one show is about an android modeled after a scientist's son that was made by the Japanese like Imperial Army to defeat like the US like Navy, but got like left in storage until the 80s. Um, that is Ryan's first form. It's like he's a robot based off the scientist's son who like develops like a conscious. The second is um we don't see them like Transformers episode, but um for <laughs> for JB and um Caitlin, right? I mm-hmm. forgot her name. Yes. Yeah. Um, their suits are based off of um, a show called like Spielban, uh, which basically like their two children, um, Spielban and Diana, that escape to Earth after their planet is destroyed and don high tech crystal suits to defeat this empire that's coming to strip Earth of its water. So these are different shows that never cross over. And, um, a really great show, uh, Take Me Back to My Virtual Reality, has gone through this show episode by episode for the first like ten episodes, I think, so far, and is like still going. Um, and they they reference how like um, <laughs> the first episode, like Ryan says, I hate splitting us up, but then they are never in the same scene together again after that first like series of fights because they want to use like the footage from the shows. Oh, that's interesting. I was actually wow, about to yeah. ask that, like how how could they? Um, not having seen any, any other episodes, like how how could they possibly get all of the characters on screen? But yeah, that's a good point that they can't. They do have like these weird like virtual reality like midway suits or whatever um, that like are just like painted Power Rangers helmets and like spandex that like they use like once or twice in like a weird like half VR space. Is that what we saw in this episode? Or no, maybe it was in this episode. Um, cause yeah, they didn't transform at all. Right. I'm trying to think like what the opening looked like. Um, and I'm trying to like recall what their suits look like. Do, do they use those for, for the openings where all three of them are on screen together? I think they use their actual suits. In season two, I think Ryan gets like a new suit, but in season one, they have like these suits and then they have these weird, like halfway suits that are in like one or two fight scenes. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's weird that all these shows came from the same company at the same time too. Um, one of my notes is they have too much custody of these kids in these episodes. And what do you think of that? I, I don't even know who these kids are. That was one of my first notes. I'm like, who are all these kids? Yeah, Question from mark? The, like, the, like the <laughs> students at the, the Tao Dojo? Like, well, like, what do you think the plot of this show is at this point? Actually, that's a better question. Like, uh, <laughs> broader s- scheme. I honestly could not tell you. I, it, it seems like this dojo that's trying to celebrate Christmas and then somebody like they they meet an elf and then the elf gets kidnapped because some guy wants to use the wish to destroy these these three teenagers and i don't know why they want to destroy them because they (laughs) seem like pretty nice kids (laughs) uh they're creepy (laughs) (laughs) i'll say they they give very stilted like responses when things happen um i think when they I think when they first see the elf, like Caitlin just gives like a, what's that? <laughs> yeah, it gave really strange vibes for I me. I think if there was an award for overacting, the Ryan character actor would, would probably win that. Because man, he he's over the top in, in a lot of those scenes. Yeah. Um, and this is like 27 episodes into their second season. So like this must just be how they're directed at this point. Because even like a bad actor will get into like a flow a little bit you know Mm -hmm. 
but just the way this like like it starts with like them giving the family the tree for five dollars because they like <laughs> come to the tree place but they have no money but they just drove directly there yeah to the tree place. <laughs> like they all got out of the car and then immediately were like nope we can't afford this let's turn back like you didn't want to call maybe ahead of time and check to see how much the trees were also like 25 dollars for a tree i mean by today's standards it sounds pretty cheap so i was wondering at that point like what has this family done that they can't afford a tree like that i mean maybe with inflation like it's actually a hundred dollars now but <laughs> i just thought those were interesting tidbit yeah um and like to give some context um ryan starts the show as an orphan and his dad's missing because his dad went got trapped in vr and i guess at the end of season one that gets resolved because his dad's like around enough to show up at the end of it being that big a deal mm-hmm. but um jb is also there and caitlin's a reporter <laughs> <laughs> Um, and apparently Tao is like a magician but that never comes up he's a magician (laughs) yes but like that's separate from the VR plot line I think like in the first season at some point after they've been fighting for a while he's also like I'm also magic (laughs) (laughs) like unrelated to like your powers or anything (laughs) Um, but yeah so they sing and drive to the mountains though and they're singing and everybody's singing just as loud as they can (laughs) Yeah, I feel like all you can hear is Ryan like belting out as if he's on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Jingle Bells, right? They were all singing Jingle Bells. Yeah, I think so. And they see like some like small glances of like um this person in the woods, but um then we get to hear from our villain. Um his human name is Zictor, but his villain name is Grimlord. <laughs> and he's a businessman who's trying to make pollution. Because he is from the VR realm. Oh, he's from, like, originally from the VR realm? Actually, now that you say that, I might be lying. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure if that matters. <laughs> That's probably fine. He's just evil. That's all you need to know. <laughs> and he's got a really cool iguana. <laughs> like, he's doing the best job. Because, one, he's the villain with an iguana in his office with a crystal ball. So you can't really do bad at that job. But, like, on the other hand, he's doing it well, I think. <laughs> I think his whole like transformation phrase of like forces of darkness and power me take me back to my virtuality. That is like some pathos. It's like, oh, I want to know what this guy's about. <laughs> like that's cool as hell. I also find it interesting that he has to say a phrase and you use a crystal ball because in my mind, at least where, we, where we're at in you know twenty twenty, if I wanted to go to VR, like shouldn't I just be able to push a button or like log into something and then end up there? <laughs> this show, I've seen very little of it, but. I guess they use virtual as a stand-in for digital. So, like, it's less even VR, and it's more like virtual reality is the internet. So it's like, they very rarely actually do much with VR. It's much more like, oh, you have to go into the virtual web or something, or, like, the virtual space, which is weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the 90s. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, um, one thing to note is it must have sucked to be a little person that wanted to act. Uh, then it does now. There's basically only one person who's successfully been taken seriously, but like, um, it must have sucked just meeting Otto and being like, oh, wow, this is a whole lot. (laughs) I just felt bad for, for the actor that they use some like high pitched voiceover. Like at least, at least let the guy have his actual voice. (laughs) Yeah, that would be nice. (laughs) Um, 
And one of my um, weird pet peeves of this episode, though, was that Otto kept doing magic in front of them. And then there's this point of the party where they're like, how do we know Otto's magic? And I'm like, you gave him water and it turned into hot chocolate. <laughs> and he teleported in front of you. He materialized fudge. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know he's magic at this point. I think my favorite part of the episode was when he made the fudge appear for Tao. He gave him like the sexy wink from across the room. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> I'm glad we both picked up on that. Because I was like, OK, like, <laughs> like he could have given him like boys in a dojo. He could have given him like a thumbs up or just said like, hey, thanks. But he he turned looked over his shoulder and gave him a nice wink. Once the kids are in bed at the dojo that apparently has custody of them all, like they just like they'll both like sidle up and just like put their arms around each other and just like, <laughs> oh, like all the kids are asleep. Uh, but and also like there's this point where they established that Otto can only do what people wish he does and he could teleport, but they don't wish him back to Santa. And it infuriated me. Oh, that's like, a good point. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, how do we get him back to Santa? It's like. You, he has wish powers. You just have to wish him back to Santa. <laughs> well, no, they wanted their, they wanted their fudge. They wanted their bow staff. They wanted snow in California. They wanted their dad. <laughs> <laughs> and the villains show up by like a bunch of people doing JoJo poses to like reveal that they're like robot grunts and stealing him. <laughs> Those were some pretty amazing poses. And just, I can't get over how much all the villains in the lair just looked like mad TV characters. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's, it looked like they were all in, in cosplay. <laughs> That's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> like high school float level cosplay, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's this one guy that's wearing like this massive like foam helmet that's like very square and just like, being, ha ha ha, I'm going to get you. Because the first wish that Grimlord has is to have the VR troopers in front of him with no powers and they even lose their martial arts. And yeah, uh, so that's another reason they don't actually have any new fight scenes for the episode, because I'm not sure. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was like one thing I was disappointed in that we didn't get to see an actual fight scene. Um, I know there were, I think when they abducted Otto, it looked like they had used scenes from the original Tokusatsu. I couldn't really tell, though. Um, but I was stuff, yeah. Yeah, but that was it. Like, after that, um, yeah, what was it Grimlord summons Otto? And Otto just does this like Looney Tune sequence to to save the troopers and bring them back to back to reality. I was like, oh, I hope there wasn't a real Christmas action sequence. Yeah, and apparently, um, the show where like Caitlin and JB's costumes come from, um, had a Christmas episode where they fought like an evil snowman. So they could have done that, just like that would have, have been, Ryan rescue him and they're fighting a monster. That, that would have been, been cool. awesome. <laughs> Also, one scene, did you, how long did it take you to realize that the dog could talk? Um, that, I think like. You know, the, in the, when they're all in the van in the beginning and they're singing Jingle Bells, he, he talks. And then I think JB tells him to hush up. Yeah. And it wasn't until JB like said something to him when, when I realized it, cause I thought that it was just like some guy in the background or like maybe someone else in the bus that was talking and then he addressed the dog directly and I was like oh okay so it is the dog and I liked how they put like a like Christmas rescue harness around the dog to hold their water if they're just holding it themselves <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one more thing is you see them in their VR bedroom like 
weird base area, I guess, that like is where their actual powers come from, not from any of the magic from Tau or like from Christmas. And what do you <laughs> I really like when they see Professor Hart, who just looks like an Eric Andre sketch. He's just this like <laughs> older black dude, like in VR on the wall, and it's there's no explanation rendered at all. Because like with Zordon, at least, like from Power Rangers, he's like a weird like space alien looking dude so it's like okay mm-hmm. y- you're weird versus he was just this actual man <laughs> dressed up in like a vest <laughs> and his face is like so close to the camera i'm like man he is like full screen like right up in there and i just love how he's like business on the top and party on the bottom and his outfit looks like that Dwayne the rock johnson like old school photo where he's in the black turtleneck <laughs> with the gold chain and the black fanny pack i don't know if you've ever seen that photo but that's immediately what i thought of when i saw the professor for me he he looked like um randy jackson one of the original judges from american idol he does oh, yeah. yeah a little bit <laughs> and i just loved like his very stoic delivery <laughs> of all of his lines like he's just reading the teleprompter behind the camera <laughs> i love how like he just like looks like whenever you cut in like a Chappelle show sketch, like to like Rick James or something, it's like, oh, the cocaine's like a hell of a drug or that kind of thing. Like, he just like looks like a into the music thing. <laughs> and as I'm thinking about it more, your reference to the Eric Andre show, he, he does remind me of, I don't know if you know the specific, I guess, character, quote unquote, but sometimes they'll, they'll have a shot to like the director in the background and it's like very oh, yeah. dark. And it was an Asian guy at one point. And then it was somebody else in like the, the newest season. But that's what that reminds me of. Now that you said that, I'm like, that's all I can think of is that director hiding in the background looking very serious. <laughs> I really want to watch more of this show because I don't have the context for a lot of this besides like watching it growing up. But there has to be tons of stuff like this because I know this was made on like a shoestring of a budget compared to Power Rangers, which seems wild that like that's even possible there must be tons of stuff like this see what interests me like you mentioning that they did this on a shoestring budget they put in a lot of christmas songs that they just randomly break into in this episode so i was wondering like how much in royalties did they have to pay in order to use these songs for this specific episode (laughs) hmm that's interesting maybe they use public domain ones or maybe they just went through I'm not sure on that. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, it, it, that's, I mean, I, it was an interesting because you, you usually don't hear like these Christmas songs in, in other TV show specials. And I, I always assumed it was like copyright issues, but it, it felt like they just jammed in a smorgasbord of all the popular ones. Um, and they just break out in a song whenever they feel like it during this episode. Maybe they're just hoping no one will notice. They're like, oh, we're VR <laughs> troopers. Nobody's going to like, strike us we're good mm-hmm. <laughs> he's gonna care right we mostly look at the japanese stuff on the show but it's nice to look at like how weird some of these shows get and just ah uh, we are vr we are we are vr <laughs> it is a great opening one of the things that um as i'm going through my notes that i, I realize is very similar to the beetleborgs episode is that the vr troopers i don't think really technically saved the day it was just the villain happened to misspeak and then they got a wish where they got to be transported back to to the dojo. So I'm like, did, did they actually do anything <laughs> of uh, value Otto, in this episode? Yeah. Otto was the real hero. Yeah. He was vaguely helped by their distraction because the villains wanted to kill them by surrounding them and not attacking them. Yeah. But- <laughs> 
or not just you know wishing that they were they would disappear or permanently not have powers or something along those lines yeah um i just this is exactly what i want from like going into the like into this kind of show like sight unseen but no um any closing thoughts on uh these two halloween shows Halloween. <laughs> Halloween, shit. <laughs> Christmas. Holidays. I would say Beetleborgs. Um, it, it was a fun episode, but it didn't leave me wanting to see more of the show. VR Troopers, on the other hand, as campy and silly and illogical as it was, like I'd I'd be down to watch more of it. Okay. Uh worth noting, VR Troopers does actually have s- some scenes where they use the toys to film scenes. Like a set of like the miniatures from Japan. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I seem to share, or I share the same sentiment as Courtney. Um, Beetleborgs. It was it was an interesting episode, but really didn't do much for me. But VR Troopers, like again, that hit the nostalgia button for me. Um, and again, just the campy and over the top acting. Um, even just getting a glimpse of the like tokusatsu episode um, scenes where they abduct out of the elf and i'm kind of interested in just watching this whole series from the beginning um seeing ryan find his dad again and then seeing what they do (laughs) in the second season um but this was a very i would say a quality uh christmas special for a tv show (laughs) like no frills and it, it, it just had fun as it went along one thing i will say is like when santa appears why do they just willingly accept him as the real santa <laughs> but if, if otto can vouch for him then i'm sure they were like that's that's the real deal right there yeah and it's very low-key santa it's just like here's your bow staff here's your dad here's snow <laughs> just i could do this all i do feel like caitlin got gypped though because she just got snow i know she wanted it but she just got Snow versus JB, who got that new bow staff, and Ryan, who got his dad. Like those are those are awesome gifts, and hers was like pretty good, but not quite as good. Well, you, I'm not sure if you're aware, um, but um, a woman in the '90s provided, didn't get. That's how gender works. Remember? <laughs> yeah, think about it in the context yeah. of the period. <laughs> Even unintentionally, they. She's got to do it to her, but yeah. <laughs> and funny enough, she's the only one that I think acted after this. So, hey, it happens like that sometimes. But no. Um. So, at some point, definitely going to go back to actually watching Beetleborgs and VR Troopers and like and like the shows are based off of. But for now, that's a wrap. And I want to say, um, really quickly, uh, where can people find you when you're not talking about uh? Yeah, so um, both of our podcasts, Strictly Anime and Strictly JoJo, are on all podcast streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Um, and then we're also on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and then our website is thestrictlyseries.com. And now uh, for me, you can find uh, me on Twitter.com at James Forge. Now, there are a lot of links, but there is mainly CommonRideMe.com has just been revamped for Comrade My Slate at Night uh, with a new logo and everything. Um, very recently have a new member to the cast in Steph. Uh, please check her out in our um, like Beat the Cast section on the website. 
and we have a calendar up for the whole month, which has each of our weekly episodes. So um, like next week, we're looking at um, Comrade EXAID episodes seven through 12, which is going to be the second part of our look at that show. And we'll line up with its Christmas episode. And that'll be me and James Baker. Now, from that point on, we do um, have a couple of bonus episodes that are going to join the calendar as they're finished. I don't want to very definitively say like when those will be out like until they're all fully recorded. But yeah, so um, please rate and review. And I have to wonder right now, though, uh, what did we learn today, everyone? So I learned that you should be careful what you wish for. Otherwise, you could let the uh, the guys that you want to kill go and be left with nothing. <laughs> I learned to give stolen presents to villains just out of the goodness of your heart. And because <laughs> it spreads Christmas cheer. <laughs>